Welcome to episode 3243 of the Survival Podcast, the 13 Stomps to Success, Part 1. This is sort of kind of a rewind because I'm pulling content that was new introductions for a series of rewinds I did back in 2020. Um, so there might be a few places where like it goes to the next seg- segment and it's a little bit clunky with the connection. I did the best I could for you in editing. I've been asked to do this over and over and over since I did this series. This is like the most successful unplanned thing I ever did at TSP, which is ironic since the whole thing's about planning success in your life. It's a series of things that you can do, 13 stomps, because I'm not exactly a nice guy as I give them to you and challenge you to get them done. That if you do them, will revolutionize the way you see the world and will change your path of success for the better and it will be based on what you think success is versus what somebody tells you success will be. That was the intention, and it worked out really, really well. My original plan was to take all 13 of them, put them into a single episode a day, and as I started looking at it, I realized, like, this was an example of me kind of phoning it in back then. Like, I'm getting ready to leave for three weeks, so I'm going to do a bunch of new content, and I'll just come up with, like, these 13 things that I use to build my life, and I'll do a little intro, and actually, I put a tremendous amount of content and time into this, more than I think I had planned at the time. So what I did is I broke it in two parts. Part one, if you're hearing it today, it airs today. This is, again, uh, Tuesday, February the 7th. And part two will air Thursday, February 9th, because uh, Wednesday I already have a guest book, so I can't do them back-to-back. I'm doing this today because I'm speaking uh, at John Bush's uh, Central Bank Digital Currency opt-out seminar as a, as a, a key speaker today. And that's going to take up a bunch of my time. Plus, I had a, a live segment with uh, John Willis and Nicole Sauce uh, this morning. So it really kind of just destroyed. So I took and I put this together yesterday, if you're listening to it, as it came out. And then uh, what I'll do is I'll go ahead and get the Thursday one ready. It'll give me a little bit easier of a week, though editing this is kind of complicated. Uh, but I just want to tell you, Thank you to all of you who have not let this go away, who have not let this die, who have kept bringing it back on my radar, because when you hear the end of today's part one, I'll come back with a conclusion and tell you something pretty amazing about it. So with that, here we go, stomps one through six of you getting what you want, and I can't tell you how many people have used them and reused them to keep retooling and refining their life to go forward. Here we go. You're about to embark on a 13-episode rewind series, and this will be a different series of rewinds than we've ever done before. Not only are they shows that we've never used in the rewind series before, but they all come from a series of shows that I've done over the year that have been tagged The Insurrection. Um, Through... June, you saw a lot of people rioting in the streets, and you've seen people protesting, and I make a distinction between the two. And there are a lot of people out there that point to those things and say, those are examples of revolution and insurrection. They are not. Because a revolution or an insurrection needs to be effective, it needs to accomplish something, or it's just making noise. And I have always been a fan of actually taking actions that actually impact your life and make your life better. 
Because I believe the only way that you can make life better for others is to first gin up your own life, to get your life and get your shit together and get on track and get things done. And what I was thinking about, you know, this is the longest vacation I've ever taken. I'm a little bit nervous leaving my business without new content for this long. And that's another reason that I've chosen this this series because it's going to let me give you a, a specific piece of new content every day. Um, but I've never been away from TSP this, as long as I'm going to be. But I'm also like, you know, one of my laws of life is you are a battery, and batteries need maintenance and recharging. And I need maintenance and recharging right now. And so does my wife. And I'm going to be spending the next two weeks on the beach in South Florida. I'm not going to apologize for it. And I, I, I sat back and thought, you know, given that's a case... What is it that's really made that possible? What, and of course, I mean, to be easy to say, well, you're a podcaster and, you know, you work for yourself and you work from home and um, you can do things like this and, and, and just go. And the business, basically, even though I say I'm away from it, it just kind of keeps going. You, know, you can front load these things and, and set them up and use technology. And yeah, but how did I get that opportunity? Well, you, you started the survival podcast. Yeah, how did I get that opportunity? Why was I any good at it by the time I got around to doing it? Why did it work? Why do I have a podcast that actually makes money when there's so many podcasts out there, some with more listeners? You know, I have about a quarter million to a, roughly 220 to 250,000 listeners. It, it kind of fluctuates in there. You lose some, you gain some, etc. We've kind of been in that realm now for a few years. Uh, I've had some highs that are a little higher than that, but that's about it. You know, that's where there's there's podcasts out there with half a million listeners don't make any money. Why does your podcast make money? What what happened in your life that you were able to do this? And I said, well, I believe in controlling my life, and I got to a point in my life where I wasn't happy with what I had, and I decided that I wanted more. And it, it is that simple. But I also sat down. This month, as I was getting ready to put this series together for you and said, 13 shows? How about the 13 steps? Because I can do a lot more than 13 things. But macro, at, at the top level, you know, not I bought a recorder and started recording. That's a micro step, right? What were the macro steps? Can you come up with 13 steps that were the most influential on you getting what you want as to what you have now? And not only that, they, they, they were very influential in taking you from packing boxes for $6 an hour when I first got to Texas to making six figures in four years with no degree. Like, what are what were the things in my life that I decided I'm going to take these things and I'm going to do them? And then I did them. And I can say that they've had a major impact on me being able to get to a point where I can just disappear for two weeks and my business chugs along. Because if they work for me, they'll work for you. You see how that works. Like, and it, it doesn't mean that if you do these things, you'll become a podcaster. I have no idea what you'll become. It doesn't mean that you'll become an entrepreneur. You might. It doesn't mean that you'll end up developing side hustles that help fund what you want so that you can leverage your income from a job and eventually get to a point where you work. I, I, don't, I don't know. That's, that's, that is not the kind of plan that I can give you if it's going to work. So each day for the next 13 days... I will give you a step. And I'm going to ask you, even when you don't want to, and especially when it's uncomfortable, 
to take that step. And I'm going to tell you that if you do, it does not guarantee that you will get exactly what you want. Even if you do everything I say, it doesn't guarantee you that you will get exactly everything that you want. I do not have exactly everything that I want. I will tell you that if you do it, if you take it seriously, and if you keep going on day 14, on day 14 when I come back and do a totally new show about something, and I stop digging into your ass like I'm about to for 13 days, I'm about to kick your ass for 13 days. If on day 14, you will take that ass kicking, make it your own, and go forward. In one year, I can promise you that you will be astounded when you sit in July 2021, and we will survive to see it, trust me. The tornado sharks are not coming to kill us with the murder hornets. We are going to get through this, all the jokes aside, right? In July of 2021... When you sit down and you look back at this year that began with this 13-step, 13-stomp ass-kicking. Yeah, there it is. There it is. I was looking for a hook on this. It's not a 13-step plan. It's a 13-stomp plan. 13 stomps on your ass. The 14th stomp, you have to kick your own ass. If you do, again, I'm not guaranteeing you'll have everything you want. I'm guaranteeing you that you will be astounded by how much you do want in your life that you do not currently have that you will have at the end of it. But it, it doesn't matter how much you're willing to do what I ask of you and to take this seriously for these 13 days if you don't do the 14th day on your own. I'm being honest with you up front. I'm not Anthony Robbins. You do the work. It's not just because I believe in you or you stand in front of a mirror and chant. It's because you get these things down, you take them seriously, you do them, but when you get to the end, you realize you've just started. Okay. Stomp one. Good news and the bad news. That's one statement that's going to be the good news and the bad news. The easiest step I'm going to give you in the 13 steps. This one's so easy, it's almost not a stomp. It's a micro stomp, okay? I want you to determine what you have in your life that you don't want. I want you know, I, I do not want you to just say, well, that's easy, blah, 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 blah. I don't want you to be a little bitch pussy about this, okay? I'm going to be, I said I'm going to stomp you, okay? I don't want you to be a little bitch pussy and go, this is for other people, not for me. I'm not going to do it the way Jack says. I can just do this in my head. I want you to get a freaking notebook. And I want you, on the front page of that notebook, to just start writing everything that's in your life that you don't want. And leave yourself a couple pages. Who knows how, much, how long this list is going to get. I'm starting here. Because this is the easiest thing for people to do. It is very easy for us to identify things we don't want. And it gives us the foundation we need to figure out tomorrow's step, which is going to be what we do want. I don't want you to go ahead on that. I want you to keep this piece. I don't, if you don't have a notebook, get a piece of paper. You can use your notes in your iPhone or your Galaxy or Samsung or whatever, you know. Uh, I don't care how you do it, but I want it to be something that you won't forget. I know you're thinking, how would I forget what I don't want in my life being in my life the next time I see it? No, you will. There are so many little things in your life that you don't want. And don't be afraid to put down things that it might be hard to give up. Things that are like addictions, even if they're minor addictions. What don't you want? 
Make the list. Make the list. And don't be afraid of it. And if you don't take the step of writing these things down, this intro segment for the next 13 days, from this point on, the next 12 of them, just skip ahead and listen to the show because it won't matter. This won't work if you will not take that step. When you write it down, it becomes real. And let me tell you a secret, little snowflakes. Yes, you little snowflakes that don't want to write it down. You don't want to write it down because you know what I just said is true. It's the number one reason you don't want to write it down. When you write it down, the fact that you really don't want whatever that is becomes real. And it becomes real to the point where I have acknowledged this thing is bad for me. And therefore, I have assumed responsibility for doing something about it. With that, let's get you uh, off into the original episode here. Uh, again, this was out of the Insurrection series, episode 1895, Developing the Skill of Self-Leadership, first published November 8th, 2016. And I thought this was the perfect show to kick off this series with because I can sit here and I can stomp on you, these 13 ass stomps, and I can tell you to do it. And it can give you impetus. And you can say, you know what? I kind of want some of what Jack's got going on. And if he says this is how you get it, then maybe it's worth doing. But in the end, the only person that can make you start today with writing that list down. Again, I don't care if it's a notebook, a piece of paper, inside your computer. I don't care where it is. A Word document, whatever. The only person that can make you do it is you. That's self-leadership, and that's what you're fixing to hear more about. So again, freedom comes with immense and tremendous responsibilities. And that's why it's difficult for people to take 13 steps that I'm giving you in these 13 episodes. So let's get on with step number two. And I, I've already leaked what this one would be. And we start, you know, actually, I wanted this to be the first step, and that's make a list of things you want. But as I thought back about it, I remember, and I've done these exercises myself that I'm giving you. I've done them many times. I've been at the top of the world with accomplishments and still felt it's not enough. I want more. And I've sat down and done them again. I'm almost 50. I'll do these again. I'll probably come back from my vacation. After a vacation is a really good time to do something like this. And these 13 steps I gave you, it might be time for me to go through them again. So don't be afraid to take those steps to get what you want because that's freedom so today we want to make a list of what we do want and the reason I ended up inverting it and having you list what you don't want yesterday is that I found that people have a real easy time identifying what they don't want you know I know when it's too hot I don't have a lot of appreciation for when the temperature is perfect sometimes but I know when it's too hot or too cold and the best way to really appreciate a great temperature is when you're coming out of the heat and it's nice and cool in the house. Or it's kind of stuffy in the house. You go outside and it's beautiful outside. There's contrast. So one of the things you can do as you're writing your list of what you do want, because I find that you know your first three or four things come really, really quick. Then it gets actually kind of hard. Well, if you start looking at what you don't want, and let's say that I'll pretend I'm a psychic. And one of the things that you didn't want 
in your life yesterday was. Let's see if I can read your mind. You didn't want restrictions on your freedom. You didn't want to not be able to take a vacation when you felt like it. You didn't want debt, right? So, like, then what you do want becomes really obvious. I want time freedom. I want more vacations. If you put down, I don't want to argue with my spouse so much, then you do want to communicate better with your spouse. Because I can tell you exactly how to solve the problem of arguing with your spouse. Don't spend any time around them and you won't argue. But that doesn't actually fix the problem. What actually fixes the problem, the counterbalance to I don't want the argument, is better communication. I want her to hear me. I want him to hear me. And I want to do a better job of hearing them. And that is included. If you have a rocky relationship with the person that you're building your life with, you're going to have a very rocky path. And we build structures with bricks versus rocks usually because rocks don't fit together well. We want things that are nice and smooth. We need, if we're going to use rock to make a rock wall structure, we need a binding agent. That binding agent is your communication. If you don't want a piece of shit old car anymore, you probably do want a nice new car. If you don't want to be broke, you probably do want to have money. If you don't want the job that you have, you probably do want a better job. You see how simple that is. You'll, but if you do this, this work... I want to call it what it is. It's not a task. It's not a step. It's work. And you you have to work to get things in your life if they're going to matter, if they're worth having. So if you're willing to do this work, you'll find that that list will be pretty short, and then you'll get like a spurt in it. And all of a sudden, as we're going through this and you're going back and working on those lists, the list will get dramatically long. And it's okay. You want it to get dramatically long. The more things you say you want and the more things you say you don't want, the more questions you'll have to ask yourself about how you get rid of them or how you gain them. The more synapses will fire, the stronger and the harder that mental computer will work for you. And don't worry about, well, this is kind of the same as that. Write everything down. And eventually, yeah, you're going to go group them together. You're going to say all these things are correlated. That means they probably have a common solution or a small number of common solutions. I want more money, okay, well, there's only so many ways you can do that. You can reduce how much money you spend. You can increase how much money you make. Now, there's multiple ways to do those two things, but they're really the only two things that you can do to be less broke. Spend less and make more. So then you have to ask yourself, how do I do that? What are my paths to doing that? If you hate your job, there's only so many things that you can do about that. You can change your attitude so that you actually like your job. That actually is an option. right? So I hate my job might result in I want a new job. But it also, see, one, one, I, one negative, one thing, I, I don't want to do this job anymore, might actually be, well, what do I hate about it? And can I change that? And you might even find out that some of the things you thought you wanted, you don't want. When you realize you really do hate your job, And that promotion you're working on will make you more money. But it's actually more of the thing that you don't like about your job. A lot of times promotions are that way. Sometimes promotions are great. 
Like you, you pay your dues, you move up the ladder, and you stop having to do the suck, and you start to do the part you really like. But a lot, just as often as that happens, the, the, a promotion is more of what you hate. I can't tell you how many people got promoted and realized, like, I always hated the paperwork I have to do, but now all I do is paperwork, which I really hate, even though I get paid better for it. And all you do is get more trapped now. You got promoted into a position that paid you better so you can increase your lifestyle and try to heal the wounds of being miserable with stuff. So you do that, and then you end up with a whole bunch more stuff and a whole bunch more debt and a much bigger, broader lifestyle to support, and you're more trapped than you ever were into the thing that you hate the most because you didn't do the work in the beginning to determine, I need to make a course correction. So that's what I'm going to ask you to do today. Make a list of everything that you want and then realize how that correlates with this rewind episode do you really want freedom because see freedom I can really sum it up simply is having the ability to pursue obtain and keep the things that you want the most in your life but that's also scary because freedom is not having the things that you want most in your life and being able to keep them. It's being able to pursue them. Freedom can't be given. It must be taken and it must be earned. You can't give your children freedom. You can teach them the skills that they need to earn their freedom. The law just put a number on it. 18, you're an adult, except for these little things over here that you become an adult for at 21. Right? Well, that doesn't mean you actually have freedom. If you're incapable of caring for yourself and anybody steps in and does the work for you, you're not really free. You're cared for. You know, cared for and captive sound very similar for a reason. And when something's captive, it has to be cared for. My ducks are captive. They're well cared for, but they're captive. And if I don't feed them every day, they'll die. If I don't change their water, they'll get sick and they'll die. They can't fly. They're domestic captive animals. In many ways, that's what many grown-ass Americans are today. And I'm talking not just young kids. I'm not talking about, you know, Gen Y or whatever the hell they are. We've got to stop kicking the millennials. We were kicking the millennials in the head when I started the show 12 years ago. The millennials are old. The millennials are fat and tired. The millennials are Gen X. The millennials are the age that Gen X was when I started this show. So whatever the next group is, right? I'm not just talking about them. No, I'm talking about the millennials now. And I'm talking about Gen X. I'm even talking to some of you boomers. You're still captive. Do you, if you don't have what you want and somebody else is providing enough for you to get by, you're captive. You're not free. Do you really want freedom? If you do, keep taking these 13 steps today. Write that shit down. And if you didn't do it yesterday, if you pussed out yesterday... Don't kick yourself in the head, kick yourself in the ass, and, and do both of them today. Do makeup work, just like you did when you were in school. You, you, you slacked off, you didn't do what Jack told you to do, you didn't take the assignment seriously, you didn't do the work, now do two days' work at once. Write the list down. You're going to need them to go forward. But for now, um, let's continue with the 13 Stomp program. 13 ass stomps toward getting you what you want. Today's is a... A more fun one, but I'm still going to stomp on you a bit to make sure you actually do it. Today, we have gotten step three. We have determined what we do not want to have in our lives. 
we've determined what we do want to have in our lives. So we're ready, and we might have already formed a lot of the framework for step three. Step three might be really easy if we have done our jobs, if we did the work. Did you do the work, Buttercup, did you? If you did, if you've really made those lists, this one might be a lot easier to figure out. And you might start to figure out the thought process that you need to do so you stop using the mental gymnastics to convince yourself that not every decision you made is not really the one you most wanted to make. All right? Because there's a lot of that hemming and hawing that goes with this one. Step three, determine where you really want to build your life. Where do you want to be? Are you in a state you hate? Do you want to be somewhere else? Where is that somewhere else? Do you live in a place you kind of like, but you need, you know you need to just have some more space? And maybe geographically, you don't need to be that far away. Maybe you need to go a little further away than you want to to have what you really want. You see what I'm saying? And then you got to start realizing that in the end, we all do what we most want to do. We're just often not clear about that, and therefore we end up flubbing it up. So people say, well, I would like to move to the middle of Montana, but I, I have a wife and I have children, and I don't want to... So you don't want, more than anything else, to live in Montana. You want to live in a way that pleases your wife, takes care of your family, and you want to be happy too. So then what does that look like? Where is that place? Is it where you're planted? There's nothing wrong with that. This is, even though there's a massive change coming to your life, if you follow these 13 stops, if you do the work, it may not be that you're going to move. It may not be you're going to move anytime soon. It may not be that you're going to move ever. I find it amazing how much people end up liking where they are if they actually figure out how to make it what they want. But maybe moving is necessary. There's times it is. When I moved here... It was a great move. It gave me a lot of what I didn't have that I would have liked to have had. You know, I don't know that I could have ever started doing the workshops that we do when I lived in Arkansas. I never actually even considered doing it. it would have never. I, I can't see people have having you know having eighty cars at that. There was no place for them, and I can't see you guys camping out on the cliff sides that I owned. It it it, it didn't really work. There were things I liked about that place better than this place, though. The fact that I could walk out my door and shoot. I like that. The fact that I could kill deer in my backyard, I like that. The fact that a hike in the woods meant walk out the door and you're there, I like that. There was a lot of things that was, you know, I liked having three neighbors. I liked having a gated road where people couldn't get in. I liked the absolute peace and quiet. I liked the fact that when most Friday nights, my neighbors up the street had two friends that came by and that we, we called that rush hour when two vehicles came through the gate over a 30-minute period. I, I liked that. I don't have that here. There's a lot of things I, I like here even more, but what really came down to was my wife was not doing well being away from her son and her father and her sister and our nieces and nephews. And our nieces and nephews were growing really fast and we were going to have much more time before they were gone, off to college. And it compounded with problems that her dad was having. With you know, There was a lot of reasons but I didn't do it because, oh, I'm begrudgingly doing this. I, when I looked at the totality, I said, it's time for a move. But then I said, okay, I'll do it. But we have to get what we both want. And that didn't mean that either of us would ever get everything we wanted. But we had to figure out what we both wanted and find the place where the most of those boxes got ticked. You know, when you watch these stupid TV shows on real estate where they're like, 
Bill wants this, and Susie wants that, and then yeah, yeah, and then they instigate more arguments between them. People that do that need their head slapped. Like, and, and you know it's all fake, so you don't get too worked up over it. But you know, come on. If you're not, if you're not working hard when you're looking for a place to live, to make sure it's a good place for your spouse if you're married, you're a shitty spouse. I'll say it, you're a shitty spouse. It doesn't mean you have to give up what you want. But you better be trying to find what you want, and it better have what they want too. You better think that way. You're, you're setting yourself up for misery and failure, and probably another move soon, maybe by yourself. But where do you want to be? Not the way they ask you in a job interview. Where do you see yourself in 20 years? Hopefully on the beach with sand going down the crack of my ass, and you know where near me. That's what you really want to tell them, right? Well, this isn't some bullshit job interview. This is a life interview you're doing with yourself in case you haven't figured it out yet. So where do you want to be? And the reason you have to start thinking this way is right before I left, I did an episode about getting out of the cities. And what I said in that episode was, you don't have to live in a city anymore to be happy to, to have the things you want. You can get anything you want from anywhere. You can work from anywhere. You can make money from anywhere. You can get information to any place, and you can communicate from anywhere. You literally can live just about anywhere you want in the world. So why would you live somewhere you don't want to be? So, start making a list of places you'd like to live. From ten miles outside of town to Paris, France. I wouldn't ever want to live in Paris, France. I'm just giving you an example. You know, remote mountain in Japan. I don't. What, what, I don't know what you want. How would I know? Some hillside in New Zealand. I, I I don't you know where do you Montana, Idaho, Florida. I mean if you when I we do think about this at times and I the place I'm at right now, it's expensive, so I have to make decisions on is do I want it as much as it costs, but boy, yeah. In the end, I realize I love where I live so much and I've put so much into it and I've built so much here. I really don't want to be anywhere else. Not permanently. Boy, I'm just glad I found the right place before I put so much into it and built so much. And then realize this about the where. The where is to help you form the plan to get the things you want into your life beyond the where. The where helps you determine what's really important to you. You might find it, well, I want to, because this is the, the further exercise. I want to live here. Why? I like it there. Really? What do you like about that? I like the space. Okay, so you don't necessarily want to live in the middle of Montana. You want to live in a place with a lot of space. I love the mountains. Okay, so you want to live in a place with mountains. I love the climate. Okay, so you want to live in a place with a climate like. What do you want to do with it? I want to leave it all woods and hunt. So you want a place you can hunt. I want to do a civil coast. Oh, so you want a ranch. You see where how this goes? And you start to figure out, like, you might determine that this move doesn't work for a variety of reasons. Family, jobs, commitments. But then you get a really clear picture of what you really want. And now you can get as close as possible to that within the boundaries of the other things that are not your restrictions. They're your other wants. See, you're not restricted in this. It's not restrictions. It's not like a design restriction is, 
well, I want to put in a cornfield here, and there's a mountain there that shades this spot and never gets any sun. That's a restriction. That's permanent. It's natural. You ain't going to remove that mountain to put a cornfield in. If you can't do it, and if you could, and you would, you're a maniac. You're a psycho. Something's wrong with you if you would do that. Right? When you say, well, I don't want to move because of family, what you're saying is being with family is more important to me than my geographic location. So you have to think about, well, that move would give me X, Y, and Z. How much of X, Y, and Z can I get? And maybe, maybe I have to drive 15 more minutes to see mom and dad or see the kids. Or maybe it's an hour. You know, maybe uh, you know, an airplane ride that's six hours across the country is not going to work for this. But how close can I get to what I want? And a lot of that is rooted in where do you really want to build your life? So ask yourself that question. Don't be afraid of any of the answers. Don't be afraid of a single answer to that question. If it's, I want to live in Fiji, write down, I want to live in Fiji. If you think, well, I want to live in Fiji, yeah, I want to, Jack never, I, oh, wait a minute, I never thought about Fiji. Hold on a second, can you live in Fiji? Don't worry about whether it's possible, just write it down. And if you're thinking, I want to live in Fiji, but also that, that northern Idaho area, like write that down too. And then start analyzing them. What about those places appeal to you? And write down the things that appeal to you. That's all you got to do today. It's a pretty easy one. So we have now gotten to step four. Today we're going to start turning the computer on. We're going to fire up the computer and we're going to start to get ourselves some answers. We're going to write our first series of how can I questions down based on your last three steps. This is going to be really easy. You start going through there and... You can do some grouping now. If like a whole bunch of the things you said that you you do want really are about time freedom, then your question for those things can be, how can I get more time freedom into my life? If one of those things you didn't want was, I don't want this debt, how can I eliminate debt? Just that simple. That's all you have to do right now is go through and pull a, pull a bunch of them out. Use as many of them as you can. The more questions you ask, the more powerful it is. The harder your computer will work. See, what we're going to do is I'm going to give you an assignment from this day forward as you go through this, as you build your life. This list of questions, you might add to it, expand to it, and you might note some ideas. By all means, if you say something and your immediate thought is, I should do this, write that the hell down under that question. Leave some space under these questions. But you don't have to put answers to them right away. All I want you to do is now that you've determined what you don't want, what you do want, and kind of where you want to be and what the place you want to be is like, how can I have a place with more space? How can I have something like Fiji even though I'm not going to move to Fiji? Because you might find yourself living in Fiji one month a year as a way to do that. Or you might find yourself just moving a little further south. Who knows? I don't know. I don't know what answer you're going to get. This is your answer out of your computer. You need the questions. And then you know how they have these self-help programs. I am great. I am wonderful. And by golly, people like me. And they write that down and they read it every day. And you, you program yourself to believe that you're wonderful. You can be a completely wonderful person that doesn't have shit. Okay? I want to start using that same technique because it does work to actually get you what you want instead of make you feel good about yourself even though you don't have it, right? 
What would you prefer? Would you prefer that I make you feel good about yourself instead of stomp on you? And then you don't have shit. Except in addiction to, to my content and you, you give me 50 bucks a year and I feel good about that too. <laughs> Or would you like me to occasionally piss you off, bloody your nose a little bit, but challenge you to the point where you actually start to figure out, you know what, this is what I want how I'm going to get it. Notice the second part. This is what I want and how I'm going to get it. I hear so many people, I want this. Great. How are you going to get it? I don't know. Well, you ain't going to have it. I'm telling you right now, most people, if you, you track somebody down that has what you want, say, how'd you get it? Very few of them will go, well, see, one day I was out. And I thought to myself, self, before I go home and I should swing by the, the beer store and pick up a six-pack. So I was there standing in line, my six-pack of Natty Light. I don't really like it, but it's cheaper than Bud Light, so that's what I buy, at least at the time. And I got this hankering. You should buy one of them their lottery tickets, Cletus. And I saw these numbers come in my head. 11, 50, 34, 17. I'm reading them off of a chart, by the way. If you go play those numbers, I don't say. 45, 8. I played Powerball, and I won. And now I have all the things you say you want, because I want a lottery. So I think you should go down to the beer store and get a lottery ticket. That is not what you're going to hear. You're going to hear, well, I took these steps, and these things led to those things, which led to other opportunities, and then I took those steps, and they led to these things, and then I did this, and then this happened, and then I got that, and then I got lucky. <laughs> you didn't get lucky? You didn't get lucky? I remember one time I was a kid, I caught this huge trout. I busted my ass to be on that creek at 6 o'clock in the morning. Everything went wrong. Everything went wrong in my life. You know, everything broke. Everything wasn't, like, God, I had to ride my bike there, you know. Like, and I got there, and I caught this fish at first light. And my buddy said, you're so lucky. I'm not lucky. I'm not even saying I was good. I'm saying I was there because I made it happen. That's not luck. That's if you get enough opportunities, some of them convert. You want to know who, who made the most shots in basketball? Probably, or who made the most baskets in basketball? Probably whoever took the most shots. If you get enough opportunity, some of them convert. And then it looks like luck. But that starts, in this case, with you've got to make your computer engage. You own, you own a state-of-the-art, advanced computer that's better than any quantum computer that exists because all for all the power that we've built into like quantum computers and supercomputers they can still only really do what we tell them it takes a massive amount of effort to get that computer to solve a problem it's amazing what they can do now and they are becoming self-learning right self-learning when they talk about artificial intelligence it's self-learning That's what makes it an artificial intelligence. Yours is so much more advanced than the most expensive computer, Watson or whatever at IBM. Because your computer can completely run 4,000 processes like this simultaneously as like background operations. And then when you recall 
Oh, I was, yeah, I'm, there's my list today. How can I fill in the blank? Your computer was working since the last time you asked yourself that question. You just forgot that it was working. And all of a sudden, random access files and shit's flying everywhere. And, hey, why don't you try this? Huh. I'll write that down. So I want you to make your first series of how can I questions off of your list of what you don't want, what you do want, and where you want to be, and what the place you want to be is like. I want you to make as many of those as, as possible And for the rest of this process, and probably for the rest of your damn life, read that list. Just read it. If you don't get any answers today, it's okay. But just read it. I'm going to say it one more time. Just read it. If you say, just do it, just read it. If you read it, eventually you'll do it. Your mind will be... What will happen is you'll find that over time you'll get different one or two or three of them at any given time and usually it's one you'll become obsessed with and it might not be the one you would expect when you find one you're obsessed with let it let it be keep that obsession up you'll be like how do I do this thing and unless you get to a point where it's actually frustrating because no answers are coming just run with it if you get to where you're then find another one and make yourself obsessed over it just to break it It's kind of a trick you do. Like, if you ever get a song in your head and you just can't get it out, sing like one line in your head of 20 different songs in a row. Like a metal, mel melody. Uh, uh, what do you call it? I can't think what you call it now. When you put them all, a bunch of songs together, right? Just start doing that. It, random songs. Just, nah, nah, nah. just think of any line of the song. Sing it in your head. Do about four or five, six, seven, eight of those. And the one that was stuck would go away. Okay? So if you get one of these questions and you're totally obsessed with it and it's not getting you anywhere, then just don't read that question for a couple of days. Read the other questions. Or read one or two or three questions. It's okay, too, if you want to open it up and only read three questions today. That's fine. If you're going to do that way, then tomorrow read the next three. And then the next day read it and keep going until you come back around the top. But ask the question. The list is to make you ask the question so you don't forget about it. Think about it like a reminder in your Outlook calendar so you don't forget your meeting with your boss and get your ass fired. right? That's important. This is important, too. This is way more important than your boss. You lose your job. You can always get a new job. You lose a day. You've lost a freaking piece of your dash. It's freaking gone. You didn't do it. You didn't work on your shit because you got lazy because it was too easy not to work on it. And there's a day of your dash gone. This is a good time to put you in touch with an analogy I came up with a long time ago. And if we had to live this way, people would get shit done. Okay? Imagine you have a great big barrel. Great big barrel in the corner room of your house. And it's full of little glowing blue marbles. They look like, And they're not even really a marble when you touch them. They kind of give. They're like little balls of light energy. Kind of spooky, sci-fi looking things. They just sit there. Ooh. And those little marbles are your life force. And you have one per day. And if you don't go pick one up out of that barrel, you're dead. That's how important they are. So you got that barrel of marbles. You wake up every day. And you got about till breakfast to get your ass a marble and put it in your pocket. And if you don't, you run out of battery, drop over, and you're dead. You might pay attention to how many of them damn things are in that barrel if that's the case. Now imagine you're a nice young thing, 20-something. That barrel's really freaking full. There are lots of them in there. You couldn't count them if you wanted to. But you know, by the time you're 30, 
you can visibly see the level of that barrel has gone down. At some point, you might start realizing how precious that little freaking glowing blue orb is. And you might realize that one day you're going to look in that barrel, all the way in the bottom, and there's only one left. We don't get that burden, nor that luxury. That would be both a burden and a luxury. We can go to bed any diet, die in our sleep. Most of us won't be so lucky. We'll go some other way that won't be quite as peaceful. You could be driving to work any day and get hit by a semi-truck. Some thug can come up behind you and shoot you in the back of the head and end your life no matter how prepared you are. There's a certain amount of fatalism you have to live with. People freaked out about COVID. Oh, what if I get COVID? What if you get cancer? You know, you're walking around, you're friggin' 300 pounds overweight. You may should worry about type 2 diabetes and kidney failure and liver failure. You know, a heart attack instead of COVID, which is also a bigger risk to you since you're so overweight. Like, But there is a certain amount of faith. No matter, you can be in perfect shape. Be a dadgone triathlete. Still have a heart attack. Remember Jim Fix from the 80s or 70s? Mr. Runner? Mr. Jog? Mr. Everybody in America should jog? Fell over died jogging. One of my best friends, a dude named Hal Dodd, almost the same thing, came home from a run in the morning was in great shape, 41 years old, called his wife, said he had a great day, looking forward to the day, hung the phone up, fell over and died in the, in, the, in the entryway of his house. With his phone in his hand, he wasn't even able to dial 911. Every day, whether you do it or not, that metaphor works. You go over to the barrel, you pick up that little shiny blue orb, and that's your life force for the day. And when you don't work on getting what you want in your life, you took that orb that day, put it in a wrist rocket slingshot, and shot it off in the garden somewhere. That's why I'm stomping on you. Because I don't want you to waste one more of those things. You don't know how many you get. So the sooner you start to get what you want, the more of those things you get to spend enjoying the life that you were born to live. What I want to give you today, though, is your, your piece of, you know, your new content uh, going into things here is your, your step today, your stomp today. The thing I'm going to ask you to do that you're probably not going to want to do. And I think of all of them, this is probably a, actually a fairly easy one, but it's going to be one of those ones that has the most foot dragging. So hopefully you've, you've made your lists. And then you wrote your how do I questions and you're reading them. And hopefully you read your you did read your how do I questions today, didn't you? You didn't? You didn't do it? You didn't do it. Really? You didn't do it. Okay, pause the podcast. I'll wait. Pause the podcast, go read your list. I'm not kidding. Go read your damn list from yesterday. Alright. Hopefully you did. I want you to start working on a financial plan today. Now look, I'm not talking about John Pugliano financial plan which this is where I'm going to have all my money allocated and things like that. The only thing that needs to be on this plan that has like that is this portion of my money goes toward investing in retirement and future savings. And then you can work with a good financial planner, or you can do your own work as a financial planner because it's very hard to find a good financial planner because most of them suck. And, and that's, a, that's different than what I'm talking about. I'm talking about your operational financial plan. How much money comes in, how much money goes out, you'll call that a budget. 
And I almost said, I want you to develop a budget. Except it's so much more than that. Because a budget is, I make this much, I spend this much, this is my, my plus or minus at the end of every month. Great first step. If you haven't already done that, you have not become a fully grown-ass man or woman yet. You should have done that a long time ago. Okay? A financial plan also includes things like, well, now that I got this list of how, and this, and the, this, this list of questions of how do I, and I'm coming up with answers to it, what does it take to fund that? And how am I going to get that money? How am I going to get that money? Can I do it through the, the cutting of expenses or the increasing of income or both? And how am I going to do that? What expenses do I have that are not good expenses? How can I make them go away? Some of them might be as easy as, let's turn that off. How many streaming services do you have? I'm not even saying to get rid of any of them. But you, you might want to know the answer to that. You know, I mean, you might have some streaming services you got, because like me, you wanted to watch Star Trek Picard, and then you binged it. Well, if you're not using it, cancel it. That's six bucks or whatever a month. Right? If you have music services that are premium music services... If one gives you everything you want, get rid of the other ones. You know, I'll never let go of Pandora. I got too much time in training it. So I might have Pandora and one other one that's more of a listen to whatever you want whenever you want. But I'm not going to have six music services. And I know that some of you are going, well, why would you? Well, I'm just giving you examples. I'm just giving you examples here. I want you to get really serious about this. I want you to sit down and look at where your money comes from and where your money goes and how much money you need to get what you want. That's all I'm asking you to do. Like I said, exactly how you allocate your retirement savings is between you and your financial plan. That is not where I'm... How much goes into that bucket? Sure. Sure. That's that's part of this. But how that bucket looks, it, that's fine. You don't need to worry about that today. I just want you to get a handle on your expenses. And I want you to start now evaluating... The answers to the how do I questions and how that works with your money. Because let me tell you something. You're going to find that you have two different answers to how do I things. One is going to be there's something you can physically do to make the answer work. How do I get more food put in a garden? You might find that I don't need hardly any money at all to put a garden in. You might already have a shovel. You might already have organic matter in your backyard. You might live in a place with actual soil and not need to do a raised bed, so you don't need any money even for wood. Or you might need a little bit of money, but you don't care. You use scrap wood. You know it's going to rot in a couple of years. You don't care because you got it for free. You know you might be able to do it for almost no money, and it's a sweat equity thing. It might be simply a stopping thing. If you drink too much, stop drinking. I mean, yeah, that's, see, and that doesn't really cost money. That actually makes more money come in, right? Or it's going to be that you have to buy it. You're either going to do it or you're going to buy it. You're either going to cease an action or take an action, and that's going to give you what you want, or you're going to buy it. If you want a diamond ring, I don't know why I thought of that. It was just to be some of this fully material. You're not going to make a diamond ring. You're not going to go out in the backyard, get a pick and shovel, and dig around till you find a diamond and learn how to cut facets. And You see what I mean? You have to buy it. 
If you want a house in Montana, you're going to have to buy a house in Montana. It's going to be a financial solution or a sweat equity solution. Many things will be a little of both. But you need to start taking those things, and then this is what that's going to do for you. Well, of all the things I want that cost money, this costs the least, and I have the quickest path to get there. But then you have to start asking yourself like a designer, because you're designing your life here in case you ain't figured it out yet. Does that actually further my larger goals? If it doesn't, I'm going to put that in the back of the line. You might find, well, if I just do these three things in my backyard, I might like my house a lot more, and moving doesn't even need to happen. And that don't cost me a lot of money. Well, that needs to go way up on the priority list. And I don't know, again, I don't know how any of this is going to shake out. But you need to start judging the financial capabilities against the answers to the questions. And some of those things will also be how I make more money in the financial plan that I'm writing today. This doesn't have to be sophisticated. I do recommend Excel and learning how to use the basic functions of Excel if you don't already know. My God, it's 2020. You should be able to figure out how to use Excel by now or whatever spreadsheet program you want, especially for the basic budget. But it amazes me how, how many people are out there 30, 40 years old. Can't seem to get ahead. Let me see your budget. Don't have one. What? Now, what you just told me is, well, I'm trying to get to Philadelphia. Can't find a place. Where's your map? Don't have one. What state are you in? Don't know. Which way is north? Not sure. Well, no shit you can't find Philadelphia. How the hell would you? First of all, why the hell do you want to go to Philadelphia? Sucks there. I've been there. Don't go. Okay? <laughs> There's some really cool things about Philly, too. I wouldn't go there right now, but yeah. Um, but you see what I'm saying? Like, you just say to somebody that told you that, like, I can't help you. I can't help you. You haven't taken the first step and trying to, you don't even know what way north is. You don't even know where you are. You're asking me how to get to Philadelphia. Go that way. Might as well tell you that. It'll do you as good as anything else, even if it's south and you're in Florida. You know? If somebody told me that, it's like, you know what I want you to do? That way's east. Is Philadelphia east? Don't worry about that. I just want you to walk east of your hat floats. I mean, that's, that's really what you tell somebody like that. Well, that's how people live their lives. So put that financial plan together today. Figure out just the basics and start figuring out what is going to cost to get what you want and start asking, add to that, how do I? How do I acquire this capital? How do I acquire the money for this? You might have already done some of that, but now we're going to get a little more specific. And that way we can start prioritizing. And again, I'm going through Lifestyle Design 101 during this insurrection series. Because taking control of your life is the number one step you can take to, to, to have insurrection against the systems. In the end, what I'm, I'm hoping that you'll figure out as we go through this together, that you will find in some instances that there are things in institutions or in society that are holding you back. And instead of sitting around and bitching about it and crying about it, that you'll just opt out of it and do something else. But I shouldn't have to. But you do. Remember the 13 stomp process? Well, there's your stomp for the day. But you do. But it's not fair that it doesn't matter. But if I could just, no one cares. No one cares. They'll tell you they care. They don't really care. They're just, they're just having a pity party cry with you. They want to feel like you care about it. You don't give a shit about them either. You don't care. It's an excuse. 
But as you start to realize, there are some real roadblocks. There are some institutional problems. Racism is a problem. It's nowhere near the problem it used to be. It doesn't mean it's not a problem. And those of you that don't think it's that you don't think that there's less racism today than there was 35, 40 years ago, you're young or stupid or both. Because if you were alive back then, you know that it's a lot better than it used to be. But that doesn't mean there ain't a problem. But, you know, if you look at, I wanted a career in broadcasting. So there's a hundred thousand reasons that that wouldn't work. And there were so many roadblocks. And when I decided I wanted to do that, I was in my late 30s. What am I do? Go to freaking journalism school? Broadcasting degree? Whatever? At 38? With a, with a kid graduating high school? Really? Did that make sense? No. So I opted out of the system and made my own system. And today people go, well, podcasting, yeah. It wasn't like that in 2008. You told somebody you're going to start a podcast and make a living off in 2008. They first question was, what the hell is a podcast? And the second statement would have been, that is the dumbest idea I ever heard. You're going to go broke. But I did it. Not because I'm great. Because the system works. Because if you do the shit that I'm giving you right now, in these two weeks, it works. It's like teaching somebody to make a fire. Put the tinder under there and put a little smaller fuel in and add a spark and you get a fire. That would be a genius. You should know how to do it. I'm telling you how to do it. With that, let's go ahead and get on to our, our new content for this Rewind episode, uh, which is step number six in the 13 stomp steps. Me stomping on you a little bit to make you do it in getting what you want in your life. This is you know, matching up with the concept of individual insurrection. The, 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 the biggest way you can, you can have an insurrection against the system is you take the power from the system and, and instead of doing what a dichotomy is, which is this group of people are in power. I mean, you think about it. That's, that's how this works. Like, well, right now, you know, the Democrats have the House. Let's say <clears throat> that we were in a position like we were for a while during the Barack Obama administration where the, the Senate was Democrat, the House was Democrat, and the President was a Democrat. And so it was a true one-sided situation of power. Well, a revolution in the mind of the voter was we'll take power from the Democrats and we'll give it to the Republicans. Nothing could be more clear of a dichotomy than that. But that's what revolutions do. Whether it's through voting in a revolution, we're going to revolt against the current power apparatus and give somebody else power. Or we're going to take up arms like our forefathers, like, like General Washington, and we're going to go out with a militia and an armed services, and we're going to fight, and we're going to install a new government. Well, we've still taken power from one group, and we've given it to another group, and both of those groups have power above us. Insurrection says, I will take the power for myself. Now, that can be seen as very dangerous if I am the one who wants to now be the new leader, But when we talk about individual insurrection, I don't want power over my neighbor. I want power over my own life. So the most insurrectionist action a person can take is to create a life where they are independent of the systems. And one of the ways we can do that the most is to free our labor by building a business in our life or free our labor by building a system, let's say, that provides food so it reduces our need to exchange labor for money for food 
so that either we can exchange the same amount of labor and do other things for our own liberty or reduce the amount of labor that we exchange. And the labor, of course, is what the government mostly taxes. You see how that works? So the more I get free from the systems, the more insurrectionist I am. That's the thinking we're, we're at today. And these 13 steps are designed to lead you to design a life that gives you as much of that as you are willing to take for yourself. This is not my plan for your life. This is my blueprint so that you can design the plan for your life that you want. And step six is going to be something that we all need to do more frequently. And it's going to be one of the, you're going to find out how easy it is when you start doing it. It's something we do a lot of times around Thanksgiving. I want you to make a list of everything you already have and are grateful for. I want that list to include everything you love about your life. Every, even if you have a job that you eventually want to leave, everything you love about your job. I want you to be as grateful as you can. I want you to get in touch with the gratitude in your soul for what you have already in your life. And if you say, there's nothing I like about my job, do you like the fact that you get paid enough to survive? Okay, put that down. It provides me. But then I want you to think, is there anybody at your job you like? Anybody? You hate your boss. Okay, fine. Is there anybody you like at your job? Is there anything you like about your company? Is there anything you like about your job at all? Because I, I'll tell you, I've done this with some people who think their job is terrible. And they do this exercise, and then they read that list every day. And they come back to me in a month later, and they go, I don't know what happened. I, I'm not sure. But, man, all those people at my job, they changed. I really, I, I actually enjoy working there now. They didn't change. You did. It was perspective. You found a way to enjoy what you had. Now, I don't want that to lull. If you do that, I don't want it to lull you into complacency. If a better job, if a side hustle, if a business, if sort of an early retirement, whatever it is, a shift into consultancy or whatever is, is in the future for you, you could still do that, and you should still do that if it works for you, but why not enjoy yourself and get the most out of what you have while you're doing it? It will also help you kind of drill down on what you really want to accomplish, what you really want to do, because this is a fundamental reality. People say this all the time, but they gloss over what it really means. You can have anything you want. Okay? Now, If what you want is to own the United States of America like the Federal Reserve does, okay, no, you can't. Within reason, you, within reason, within what most people would say, I want, you can have. If you want a thousand acres of property, you can have it. There's no reason that any able-bodied American or even semi-able-bodied American today cannot eventually own a thousand acres. No reason. You can have, you've got to get that through your head. You can have anything you want. You know what the other side is if you've heard this before, and you probably have. But you cannot have everything you want. Whatever you want will come with a cost. And that's not just in money. It's in what the money could have done otherwise. If I decide to go out today and buy a $50,000 boat, I can go do that. That money could have done other things for me that it cannot now do because now it's in a boat. And that boat will be a depreciating asset. So it will have an initial cost and a long-term cost. 
if I use it every day, maybe I get my money's worth out of it. If I don't use it, and it just sits in a slip somewhere and degrades over time, and I actually have to eventually sell it to get rid of it, then it was a bad investment. So I have to be really mindful of what I do. This does not just apply to what you purchase, but what you put effort into. If you want a garden, you can have a garden. I will be honest. There will be a cost. There will be not just money, but there will be the effort spent could have been spent doing something else. There will be maintenance that could have been spent doing something else. right? And then next year, you'll have to do some things to kind of get it ready to go again. That could have been spent doing something else. You'll probably spend some money on seed and what have you. I think the, the ROI of a garden is pretty damn good. And it gets better over time as you get better at what you do. And you develop the skill, but as you develop that skill, the time you took to develop that skill could have been used to develop a separate or different skill. Now, we're all big on creating polymaths. I think it's one of the most important things that we can do in the world. Okay? But we still have every minute we spend working on anything is a minute not spent working on something else. The other way to see that, though, is... Any minute spent working on anything that's beneficial to you beats the hell out of a minute spent doing absolutely nothing for your life and for yourself. Because remember we talked about last week, your dash can be summed up as a big barrel full of glowing little blue marbles, little life forces, and you get one a day. And if you looked over in the corner every day and had to go get that blue marble and swallow it, And the day that you looked in there and there was only one marble left, that was your last day, and you could visually see those marbles going down in that barrel, you would do a lot more for yourself. You also might, in some areas, do less. And you might focus more on really enjoying your life and being there for your family. So how do we do that without going to a hypnotist who convinces us we only have 10 years to live? How do we live like we're dying? In, in the, the words of a great song, if you've never heard that, Live Like You Were Dying. I think Tim McGraw's the one that sang that song. You know? Um, how do we do that? Well, the way we do that, it was we develop an understanding of the things that we most love and that are most important to us. And then we actually, crazy as it sounds, focus on those things. But how do we do Most people, they think they know what they really want, but they don't. That's why they don't get it. You're like a captain of a ship with no place to go. You kind of feel like, I really kind of want to go to San Francisco in my ship. But you don't know where you are. You don't know where San Francisco is. You don't have any navigation whatsoever. You just kind of know it's that way. And so the ship just kind of chugs along. And you know you're somewhere in Asia, sort of, maybe, I think. So you kind of just, just kind of head east. I mean, you expect if I keep doing that, I'm going to get to San Francisco. You might. But if you really don't even understand what San Francisco is, if you happen to get there, imagine that you take so long to get to San Francisco in this ship because you don't know what the hell you're doing. And when you get there, you go, this place sucks. I hate this. I want to do something else. Would it be better to like know the port you're headed to, plot and chart a course, know the time to get there and the cost? And judge that against what you really want and say, I really want this ship to go to San Francisco. It's a metaphor. In case I have to, every once in a while I have to plug that in. Because It's a metaphor. Replace it with a place you want to go. And it doesn't have to be a town because it's a metaphor. Wouldn't that make more sense? 
And the more expediently you can get there, if it did end up being a mistake, the more time you have left with that ship that is your life to plot a new course and go somewhere else. Well, the way that we make sure that we've chosen the right destination in the first place is to be clear on what we actually love, what we actually value, and what we actually want in our life. So let's do that for step six today. Remember, if you don't do these steps, you're just wasting the time listening to the intros. Just skip them and just go to the rewind. I'm doing this because I want you to have what you want. And for some people, sometimes I feel like I want it for you more than you want it for yourself. In fact, I know for some people that's the case. And there's nothing I can do about that except just pour it out, man, and tell you. If you do these things, one year from today, you will not have obtained everything you wanted to obtain. But you will blow yourself away with how many of the things you wanted to obtain, uh, to, to accomplish, you've accomplished. So let me re- remind you of your six steps so far. Determine what you have that you don't want. Two. Determine what you want that you don't have. Three, determine where you where you really want to build your life. Four, write your first series of how can I questions down based on your last three steps. Five, develop a financial plan. Many call it a budget, but I mean more than that. We talked about that on Friday. Your full financial plan, not your retirement plan, how you're going to manage your money in your life. And then six, Make a list of everything you already have and are grateful for. Everything you love about your life, your job, everything that you do. Think of every walk of life and write down everything you really love. No, I'm not going to tell you tomorrow to write down what you hate. It's not like the first two. We're going to go somewhere totally different. You'll have to tune in tomorrow to find out what that is. Please, I'm sincerely asking you because I want... I want a landslide of letters, emails, next year by the time I take my vacation, saying, here's all the shit that I did this year, Jack. Thanks. You're a jerk. I really want that. So here we are, back in current time as I uh, put this show together, and I'm listening to pieces of it as I edit it together for you. Again, part two will come on Thursday. But that ending was very powerful for me, and I wanted to share with you guys why. This series was done with some intent. I did sit down and say, Jack, you got 13 days. What are the 13 things that have most impacted your success? And I made that list. That was about it. That was the planning. But what I've been trying to get across to you with this series, and it will continue again when we get to part two, is that if you do these things, they become so ingrained in your behavior, that you do them unconsciously or subconsciously, maybe is a better word, that you will set goals and see them through. And so this is about midway through this series. And what I said is, what I want huh, is to hear from dozens, hundreds of you that have listened to this and by the time I go on vacation next year, I want a whole list of shit that got done because of this series. I set a goal in the middle of this series doing exactly what I'm talking about. I don't want you to fail. I do want you to succeed. I'm giving you what you need. Take it and do something with it. Son of a bitch if it didn't happen. Why do you think I'm putting it all back together as a breakout two and a half years later when the audience itself won't let it go and keep putting it back in front of me? It works. 
It works, and it works so powerfully. This is where some of the woo-woo shit comes in with like the law of intention or the law of attraction or manifestation. It's not spooky. It's not metaphysical. It is how things work. The reality is most things that people think are impossible to achieve are very doable. They may not be easy, but they're very doable. And people that focus on things tend to achieve those things if they stay focused on them. And when you set your mind in this process, this 13-step process, and you continue to work it intentionally for a given period of time, eventually you will go on to a sort of autopilot. If you think about it, when you're if you're learning a martial art, and you're learning like if there's a punch here, you block like this, and fights never happen that way, right? Somebody just tries to clobber the crap out of you. But if you've trained the muscle memory, you don't think, oh, upper block, right? Inside punch, right? You don't think any of that. Your body just reacts. You've conditioned it. And then if you've done that right, hopefully, whatever happens, there's a response that at least gives you an opportunity to try to fight back. Yeah? That's life. Life is always trying to push you down. Life is always trying to kick your ass. Life is always trying to tell you you can't. Life is made up of negatives that generally seem to outweigh positives because negatives hit us harder. This is why training a student with negative reinforcement, with some form of pain, actually works better. I'm not talking about abusing people. I'm talking about things like military training. When you're not getting it, they throw you down there and make you do push-ups so you're ready to puke. Your arms are burning, your chest is burning, your back is burning, and they say just lock out, and you're just holding that position, quivering, and when they're talking to you, it's going in your head, you're listening. Negatives have a greater impact on us long term than positives, and that's why they th- we think that there's more of them. But when we start focusing on the positive, and we start intent- stating our intention to achieve things with the positive, If we start stating our intention to take the negative and channel it into a solution, it's not that we manifest opportunity. The opportunity was going to sit in front of you if that was destiny, period. It was going to happen. Whether or not you were going to see it, whether or not you were going to be ready for it, whether or not you were going to capitalize it on it, those are the only questions. You're going to see the thing. You're going to hear the thing. You're going to have the idea, whatever it is. It's going to happen. No one's going to walk up to you on the street and tell you something you needed to hear just because you focused on it. But will you know that you needed to hear it when you hear it? When you're driving down the road and something comes on the radio that has nothing to do with your life, but it hits something, and it goes, well, this, then that, then this, then that, and it's like seven steps off, but now it's, it's got you thinking in a different way, and it's got you putting things together in a different way. This becomes autopilot. This is how I can state a goal in the middle of a series and have the goal achieved. That's how. Because it's a process. Like I said earlier in this first part, like starting a fire. There's a way to do it. You follow the process. You get a fire. It's not always the same, but you will get a fire. I hope this has lit a fire under you. Part 2 with stomps 6 through 13. I'm sorry, 7 through 13 will come on Thursday. Are they gonna bail you out or just run you around? They said you should have a house the American way. A dollar down, a dollar a month.